Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Welcome to church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love the opportunity to. So stick around afterwards and please come up and introduce yourself. On this Mother's Day, I want to start off uh, today's message by reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2. And here's what it says, verse 11. It says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Happy Mother's Day. Okay. um, We'll spend some time unpacking that. Man, the tension you could just like, you were pushing against me there. That was was wild. That was wild. Um, But have you ever read a verse in the Bible and then been like, wait a second, what am I supposed to do with that? Because we are a people of the Word. If God's Word says it, I believe it. And that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. So when we read things like this, and I read that, it's like, okay, well, we got to make some changes. And that's what we do. It's not about me and what I think. It's like, well, if this is what God's Word says, that's what, that's what is best, and that's what I'm going to do. So how and what are we to do when we come across verses like that or verses that just don't seem to make sense? Well, one of the things that we want to do is anytime we read the Bible is to make sure we're looking at the Bible, not just a verse. You know, if I give you directions to my house, say, hey, I live over in Granville, here's my address, most of you would be like, oh, I know what to do. You'd punch it into a GPS or your phone, or maybe you just know the area. But if you're unfamiliar with the area, it's very simple. You just put it in a GPS, and it'll give you turn-by-turn directions how to get there, right? And All of that together equals the directions. You know what doesn't equal the directions? One turn. Proceed out of parking lot and turn left. You're like, well, it's in the directions, but that's not going to get you to my house. That'll get you somewhere, but it's the cumulative. It's all of those directions together that are going to get you to my house. In God's Word, when we're reading God's Word, we translate God's Word and we understand it through the lens of the entirety of God's Word. So there's one verse right here that it says that, but yet when I keep reading and I read more, if we flip over to the book of Acts, and Acts in your Bible is the Acts, the Acts, I can't even say it because it's the same word, it's the Acts of the Apostles. And it really is the start or the birth of the church, the modern church. It starts in the book of Acts. And the disciples were waiting, God had told them, Jesus told them, he said, hey, go and wait. For the gift, the promise, the promised Holy Spirit. So Acts 2 verse 3, they're waiting for what God had promised. And then there appeared to them, while they're waiting in the upper room, Acts 2 verse 3, then there appeared to them divine, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the group. They're up there waiting. Who was there? Who was in this group? Well, if we go to Acts 1, just a little bit before, it says they returned to Jerusalem, the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. These all 
continued with one accord in prayer and supplications with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They're all there. They are all there. And what began to happen? The Holy Spirit fell, Acts 2, 3, appeared to the divided tongues of fire. It came on them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. To who? This whole group, men and women. You're like, okay, now it's all right, nothing, nothing too crazy there yet. Verse 15 now explains what happens. Because what started in the upper room, it got out of the upper room and people began to hear these people talking, praying in, in, in tongues and speaking their own language. And they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. There were people from all over in Jerusalem at the time. Acts 2.15, Peter stands up to explain what's going on because a crowd of people have come around. And he says this, For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I read that and I'm like, well, what if it was the fifth hour of the day? But verse 16, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Prophesy is to speak or to declare a thing, a divine message. He says, men and women are going to prophesy. He says, they will both prophesy. They will both speak. So what we see, what we want to be careful not to do is to just take one verse, one piece of the instructions, and say, this is what the Bible has to say. We want to look at the whole of Scripture and say, okay. And we need to keep in mind things like, was this written to a specific group and meant for them? Or is this meant for all of us? Is this descriptive of something that was happening of the day, at the day, and at the time? Or is it prescriptive, something that I need to live out today? What, what is this? As we read through Scripture, Matthew 28, 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. He had just risen from the dead. And who did Jesus appear to? Some women. He says, go and tell my brethren in Galilee. Jesus rises from the dead, and who does he, and I'm going to say this very carefully, who does he pick? Because he's God. He knew exactly who was going to be there. He wasn't like in the middle of like rising from the dead, like, oh, hi, oh, funny seeing you here. So, He's God. He knew. And who did he pick? He picked some women to go and tell the men, the disciples, that he had risen from the dead. That was on purpose. It wasn't an accident. And you and I are like, okay, great. Understand this about the time. In that time and at that, a woman could not be a witness in court. She couldn't say and be like, I saw that happen. This is exactly what happened. I was there. They'd be like, I'm sorry, you're a woman. Your, your, your testimony doesn't even count. God specifically chose some women. He said, you go preach. You go declare this to the disciples that I have risen from the dead. So as we look at this and, and how do we put this in context, we don't just pick and choose what it's going to be, but we look at the entirety of Scripture so that we make sure that we arrive where we are meant to arrive. We don't just pluck out one thing. And we remember there's some things in the Bible that were written specifically for that time. Romans 6.16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Joel, come here. Let's demonstrate. No. <laughs> Not quite. You're like, this church is getting weirder and weirder by the minute. 
that is not universally applied. That's something very specific for then. Yet Malachi 6, 8 says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. That's universal. That applies to you. That's prescriptive of how you and I are supposed to be. 1 Timothy 5.23 says, Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and frequent illnesses. Was he talking to a specific group or should we change our taps over from water and go get some box wine on the way home? Like, What is it? It is descriptive. It is restricted to a specific group. This command I give you, John 15.12, that you would love one another. Is that just for this one group, or is, or is this, as we read through Scripture, we say that's universal, that's prescriptive of how you and I are supposed to act. And if you're like, and I don't, for, for some of you, you're like, well, I know all of this. Some of you, this might be new to. This might be new, and you're like, well, I don't know, and where, where do we land on this, and what is this supposed to be? And you're probably like, well, I'd like to read some more about that. I love that. And what I think I'm going to do is I've got a, a lot more than this that I'm going to go ahead and I'll put on our website under our beliefs. It'll be women in leadership, and I'll just kind of put that all in there. You can dive into it and go all Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Just, just get into it for yourself so that you can see, so that you can decide this for yourself. But the thing we want to do is to not just pluck one out, one verse out, and create a doctrine around it. We look at all of Scripture, just like instructions, that GPS, just because it says pull out of here and turn left doesn't mean that gets you all the way to my house. No, you're going to have to turn right, left, right, left, follow around the curve, go over the thing, it's going to curve around again, you turn right, left, and then turn right into my driveway. There's a bit more to it. So with that, I want to say happy Mother's Day to you, and I want to welcome Becca up to the stage as she's going to share the rest of the message. Welcome her with me if you would. Am I, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Well, good morning, Life West. And I'm sitting next to Molly, and Molly goes, Mom, you're only going to have 10 minutes left. And I'm like, yep, we'll see what I cover. <laughs> um, so Sam asked me a while back if I could have a massage on Mother's Day, and I was like, um, yes. This is like, I love, that's like one of my favorite things, absolutely. And then over the next couple of weeks, it became apparent he had asked if I could have a message on Mother's Day. So here I am. But before I get into my message today, maybe I'll still get that massage, we'll see. Um, anyhow, before I get into the message today, I, I actually, it is always an honor for me to get to preach on Mother's Day. There are some people who say, you have to preach on Mother's Day. And I think this is my favorite day to preach because in our society, this day produces a lot of tension and rightly so. And at LifeWest, we are going to do what the Word says. And it says in Romans 12, 10, it says that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. And so we want to take every opportunity that we can to honor whoever we can. And when there's a day that we get to put forth moms who sacrifice, who give and give and give and give, we want to take the opportunity to do that. But what we also have to realize is that in our midst, there are women who want to be moms. There are women who have lost babies of all ages. There are people here who have lost their moms. There are people here who are estranged from their moms. 
And that holds attention. And it's not just on Mother's Day that it holds attention. It's every holiday, right? We have to balance this celebration and, and the grief of the, of the not yet, the grief of what we're missing out on. And so this morning, we do. We honor all of the moms. We honor everything that you do for us. Um, I specifically honor my mom, too, and my mother-in-law. I'm so thankful for them. And we honor the women that choose to show up despite the difficult path that they're walking on a day-to-day basis. Um, we honor you. We thank you for committing to be a part of the body of Christ, even when it's hard. Yeah. So I'm going to pray over them, and then I have one other thing I actually want to address before we get going. Loving God, we thank you for mamas. We thank you for children. We thank you for all of the joys and complexities of family life. We pray, Father, that you are with those who are grieving because they have no mother or because they're estranged from their mother. We ask that you be close to those who are struggling because they have no children. And we ask that you be near to those who are sad because they are far apart from those that they love. We ask that your love would be present in every home. And we ask that you help your church to have eyes to see and ears to hear the needs of all who come. And we ask this in the sweet and powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So one thing I want to make sure that I say um, to all the women present is when you walk out, we have gifts actually in the foyer. It's so funny. I grew up in church, and so I almost called it a narthex. (laughs) Who would have known what I meant if I said narthex? Okay, a few. Okay, in the foyer, (laughs) there are gifts for all women. So please just kind of grab a bag and fill your bag with um, what we have there. Um, Mamas and non-mamas, just grab it. So this week, I I was preparing my message. I've been kind of going over it the last couple of weeks. And then this week, something really big happened in the news. You guys probably heard about it. Um, Our Supreme Court, they had papers that were leaked about the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, And in the ensuing days, uh, we have had a lot of stuff that has come up. We have had Supreme Court justices last night. We had people um, demonstrating outside of their homes. And I want to make sure that I address this. Um, Because life is the business of God. And from day one, from from the moment of the fall, there has been an enemy assignment on revealing the feminine nature of God. The the enemy hates women. The enemy hates women because God said that he etched his identity, his image, into the DNA of men and women at creation. And there is a feud between the, the enemy and the female womb because since Adam and Eve were created, every other human being that has been created, has come from a female womb. And so there is an enemy assignment against women. We are the ones that bring forth more image bearers. And Satan knows that if those image bearers grow up and know who they are in Christ and know what they can do, that the kingdom of darkness is in big trouble. The truth is, every single life, 
63 million lives since 1973. Every single life represented in this room matters. Every single one of us mattered. Every single one of those lives mattered before we take our first gasping breath. Every single life. We were crafted by intentionality, by a father who loves and carefully designed every single baby at conception. You know, God, I, I, I look at this and I think God used the female womb. He bypassed what our culture worships, which is sex. And he used what our culture dismisses as unimportant, which is motherhood, to bring our Savior. In the Bible, we see David, Job, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, and Paul all described as people before they were born. David rejoiced that God knit him together in his mother's womb. That's in Psalm 139. Job wrote that God clothed him with skin and wove him together. In Job 10, 11, and 12, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, visited her cousin, the child, the child that her cousin was carrying, the child in her cousin's womb, leapt for joy in the womb because he recognized Christ. Jeremiah 1.5 tells us that Jeremiah was set apart by God before he was born, and Galatians 1.5 states the same about Paul. Abortion is an assault on the image of God. 63 million abortions. You guys, that's 126 million lives that have been affected. It is not just the baby. I was looking up um, 1973, that's 50 years ago. So the average age of a woman who has an abortion is in her 20s. So let's say somebody was 25, 50 years ago, they're 75. Every woman that this law has affected could possibly still be alive today. And I want us as a church body to pray today. Yes, I want to pray for the babies. I want to pray for the babies. Those 63 million babies, we can't do anything about that anymore. Those 63 million women, we can pray over them. Amen. We can be a church that chooses to show up. We can be a church that shows grace. I was just talking with somebody yesterday. And I said, I don't know what I would do without the grace of God in my life. I don't know what I would do. Every single person in this room knows, whether you know it or not, knows somebody that has been affected by abortion. And I want, if that is you, I want you to know there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. There is forgiveness. The Bible tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None whatsoever. So today I just want us to take a minute, I want us to pray together as a body over Supreme Court for their safety, over mothers, over babies. And I specifically want us to pray that we are a church that has a culture that raises up Elizabeths and Josephs. Because when Mary found out she was pregnant with Jesus, she ran to her cousin's house and her cousin rejoiced with her. Every life is worth rejoicing. Every life was intentionally crafted by our Father in heaven for a purpose. And I want to pray over Joseph's. I want to pray that we raise up men who are tender to the women who are walking this, that they will walk it with them, that they will say, I am a man of integrity, I am a man of honor, I am a man who is tender to the things of God, and I am a protector. 
And so that is what I want us to pray today together. So I'm going to ask you to lift your voices with me. This is going to be just a real raw prayer. I didn't write it out because I'm like, this is just going to have to kind of come from the heart of who we are. But I want you to join me in prayer. And this is going to be my message, I guess, today. <laughs> okay, Father, we come before you. God, we thank you that you are a God of life. God, we thank you that you even, even today, Father, you are, you are allowing babies to be conceived that bring glory to your name, Father. I pray for every baby. I pray for every life that, that will be affected by this decision, Father. I pray for the babies. I pray that the preborn would be valued as... Uh, God, just as what they are, as creations that reflect who you are, Father. Father, I pray over the Supreme Court. I pray for safety over all of our justices. I thank you, Lord, that, that they would look um, to you for wisdom, for guidance. God, I thank you that you would put protection over them. Lord, we do not look to any political system. We look to you. Father, we have seen in, in the days of old, Father, we have seen that the church, even when it didn't have political party, uh, when it didn't have political power, I think of Rome, Father, when they were, when infanticide was a big thing. And I, I thank you, Father, that even then the Christians were able to rise up by your grace, Father, adopt babies. Stand against infanticide. Father, I thank you that you are a God of life. Today I pray over the mamas. I pray over the mamas who are, who are currently trying to decide what they're going to do. I pray that fear would go. I pray that you would reveal yourself, Father. I pray that you would show yourself powerful and mighty in, in the middle of what they're walking through. I pray that you would speak to them that you would give them a boldness, Father. Father, I pray that you would silence, um, that you would silence the enemy, that you would silence anybody that would um, discourage them from bringing their babies to life, Father. I think that even as we speak, your spirit is going forth, that it is going forth to accomplish your word, as Samuel said. Father, I pray over the women who have made the choice to give up babies. God, I pray for their hearts. God, oh, you are a God whose love can penetrate the darkest places. I pray that you seep into those hearts, that you seep into those minds. I pray that you bring them to you, Father. You bring them to the saving grace and knowledge of who you are. And through that, Father, they can find freedom. And Father, today I pray over this body of believers in the church as a whole. I thank you that as I speak, there are Elizabeths being raised up who will rejoice with moms who choose not to go through with abortion. I thank you that there are Elizabeths who are being raised up who choose to rejoice with women who are single, who are having babies, with women who are married, who are having babies. I pray that there are Elizabeths being raised up who will walk alongside, who will show the excitement to the moms. And Father, I pray for Joseph's. 
I pray that the men will rise, will take a stand in grace and in tenderness, Father. I thank you that they would cover the women, that there would not be shame that is placed on these women. I pray that there would be a, a grace. I pray that there would be a sweetness that covers them from the men in the church, Father. You did not create your church to lack power. Father, this morning we stand before you and we ask that by, by your grace, by the sacrifice of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, that you would flow through this body out into our world. It is in your mighty Okay, Samuel said that I had to wrap up at 11, so I haven't even started the message. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I didn't even start it. Um, so basically, my message today was going to be, I'm not actually going to do the whole thing. <laughs> I am going to wrap up here in a minute. Um, but my message was just going to be from Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, it talks about, um, Ezekiel is a prophet of God, and he actually lived in Jerusalem at the time of the first Babylonian siege, and he was um, exiled, he was kidnapped and taken out of the city, and then five years later, the Babylonians came back in and destroyed the city. Anyhow, there is a scripture that I wanted to read quickly to you guys. It's a long scripture, and then I'm going to say one thing and then we will close out. And I thank you guys for being willing to stand with me in prayer. And as we go forth, continue to stand in prayer over, over all these situations. Okay, Ezekiel 47. In my vision, the man, the angel of the Lord, brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing from east. <sighs> from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. And right now at this point that he's getting the vision, there's no wall, there's no temple. It's all been completely destroyed. There I could see the water flowing out and many versions actually say trickling out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, roughly a third of a mile, and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish. Wherever this water flows, fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from En Gedi to En Eglam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. 
There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food and the leaves for healing. So I know that's an odd Mother's Day scripture, but one of the things that I wanted to highlight, and again, I said I'm closing because we spent time praying, which is a great way to spend our time. Um, when we looked at this scripture, he talks about the temple. And there are Old Testament scriptures that show us that the temple is the place that God resides in people. And then Jesus came and he said that he was the temple. And then actually 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that we as believers are the temple, the place where God resides. Then when we look at the living water, the living water is Jesus. That has been shown um, let me see if I can get to the, the place here. That has been shown uh, in There Will Be Swarms of Living Things. Sorry. For my people, Jeremiah 2.13, for my people have done two things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. That's what God says. And in John 4.10, Jesus replied to a woman. He said, if you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And finally, the Bible says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and showed to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. So what we see in this scripture in Ezekiel is we actually see that Jesus is the temple and the living water. Jesus is the source and the sustainer. In the temple, God had a plan. It was a plan for God to dwell with people, and there was a fulfillment. Jesus comes. He was called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, and then there's a commissioning. We become the temple. We become the dwelling place for God through our union with Jesus. And then in the living water, God had a plan for God to flow through the desert and into the dead places. There was a fulfillment. Jesus came and says that he is the living water flowing from the temple, and then there is a commissioning. We become a conduit for the living water when we unite with Christ. And here's the thing, the way we do that, the way we do that is we spend time in the word. We spend time in prayer. What I put into me is what comes out of me. So uh, the other day I was, um, or no, it wasn't the other day. It was years ago now. But um, we went to somebody's house, and instead of our kids playing in the pool and dunking each other, our kids were baptizing each other. <laughs> what we put in and what flows through us affects our kids. And not only does it affect our kids, it affects every single person around us. Living water can flow straight through us. If we get it from its source, if we get it from the temple, from Jesus, it can flow through us to every single person around us, and it can bring dead things to life. It can get rid of sorrow, darkness, pain, it brings dead things to life. And we have not only the ability, but we have the commissioning by God to carry that through. The other day, I was walking out to my garden. I wanted to make sure the water was on out there. So I turned on the spigot. I walked out. There's no water. I'm like, well, what's going on? I go up to the spigot, and it has a valve that needs to be switched. 
right? And that hadn't been opened. We get to choose what we're going to allow to flow through us. But if we want it to be living water, that valve has to be open. We have to be willing to receive from God the word through prayer. And we have to be willing to allow it to flow through us. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes, please? God, we thank you for this time today. It says in Acts 17, 6, it says that as people observed the witness of Christians for Christ, they shouted, these have turned the world upside down. Father, I thank you that your people can turn the world upside down, that your people can bring living water. And today, I want to give everybody in this room an opportunity. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if when I talk about being the temple and that living water flowing through you, if I talk about that and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want that, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to choose Jesus. And I'm going to ask you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, God created you with a plan, with a purpose. Two, he sent Jesus as the fulfillment by his death, burial, resurrection, and the fact that he is coming again. He is the fulfillment. And then we have been commissioned to go, but we are commissioned to go when we accept Jesus. Three, if, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, please raise your hand. Okay, we're going to go ahead their hands. Jesus, we, we come before you. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to, to meet together, Father, for the opportunity to bring glory to your name. We pray that you would be with us as we go. And Father, um, I just thank you for people who have chosen you today. And I just thank you that um, I thank you that you would walk with them, that you would be present in their lives. And it is in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.